Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, good morning, family. And good morning to those who are joining us online. Uh, We're so grateful you can be with us. I'm so grateful that we prayed for Cyprus because we have a mission team that's going to Cyprus uh, later in this year. As we pray for nations, we are believing that we will reach the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So there's a group of people who are joining us normally from Cyprus, 1015 online. They have a watch party where they are watching church with us all the way from Cyprus. Amen. We are reaching the nations indeed. It is my joy and honor to introduce our speaker. And you can tell that in this house there's so much humility. Uh, Dr. Yvette said to me, please keep it low profile. But uh, I'm just going to share a story about her. She's a prothodontist. I had to Google what a prothodontist is. It's someone who deals with uh, complicated dental emergencies. And I remember a couple of years ago, we had a missionary from Uganda who was here in South Africa. And Saturday afternoon, the missionary had a dental emergency, and I knew who to call. And we called Dr. Yvette, and Dr. Yvette saw the missionary and said, Pastor Simon, you don't have to pay anything. Dr. Yvette is a mother, wife, and loves the Lord. She is on fire for Jesus. Let's welcome her as she preaches the word. Good morning. Thank you for sharing your Sunday morning with us. I pray God's going to bless you and He's going to touch your heart. Um, I think I've got some echo, Paul, perhaps a little bit softer. We had an amazing women's conference yesterday. Just simply amazing. And I didn't see this coming. We have so much talent in this house that we have not seen. And it was so refreshing and just so exciting to share with you. And you will note, this was for Mom Lindy. I'm branded today. (laughs) Because we have had, for the couple of months, quite a number of series Um, that's culminating into something, and it's really been deep, where we have shared on abiding, abide, prayer ministry, living the delivered life. I was challenged by that message, living the delivered life. And, wow, living like heaven is here. If you listen to the news and the world we're in, it doesn't feel like heaven is here. Because there is a disconnect between what we know God wants and his promises and our current reality. Our current reality is tough, is parched. People are struggling, battling. But, Apart from that, God has called us, and I want to focus, 
passing on from abiding on God's kingdom, our royal assignment. We are assignees. We are not just here. We are in the world, but we are not from the world. And so that speaks of purpose. It speaks that we don't live in futility. And because we are and we have a royal assignment, in actual fact, we are a people who are affected differently. We focus differently. We have a different narrative. We speak differently because it comes from another source. We are not focused and drawn down and weighed down by what we see around us. And yes, it's not that we're ignorant about it, that we don't want to see it. We just don't give it airtime in terms of filling our voids in our hearts and just letting it just letting God's heart and his spirit actually fill us. So it's our royal assignment. And it all starts with Jesus, the Messiah, who came and he shed his blood for us on the cross. He died for us. And by virtue of that, we have redemption. So we were not just sent out and say, just go out there and just do it, babies. Just Go there. No, we were fully empowered. And so, of course, in the middle, we have us as ambassadors. And because of that redemption, we became a royal priesthood, a royal nation. You are a king and a queen because God has made you that. He has given you that by his deliverance. So he wants to take us to a next level of knowing beyond just living, dwelling, remaining, we are also assignees. We have an assignment. You know in the monarchy, when you are a prince and whatever, you have assignments. And there are certain terms of engagement, there are certain characteristics and attributes that you have because of your part being of the royal priesthood and of the royal family. And so, us by ourselves, we have a brain, that is our intellectual seat. We have a heart, that is our emotional seat. And we have a mouth, and we speak. And scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, that intellect and that emotional heart can have voids, and those voids long to be filled. And if they are not filled with sound doctrine, with the truth, there are many things that wants to come and fill those spaces. Because like everybody else, this intellect tends to overthink. Any one of you here that overthinks? that draws conclusions from the one to the next to the next. We start with A, in a moment we are at Z, because that is what and who we are by nature. So, our apostolic focus is that we have a deliberate, intentional responsibility as assignees, royal 
assignments. That's what we have. And so we take further from that, as we have been equipped, Isaiah 61 verse 1 says, and he calls you anointed. And he says that as part of that assignment, you bring good news. And yes, it is for this church. We do disciple and we do transform nations. But we have the diversity and we are each individuals with those voids, with that voice that can speak, that mouth that can pray. That is what we have been given for a reason. And it is to bring the good news to the poor. To send, to bind up the brokenhearted. That globe is filled with broken hearts. And so we have an assignment to go and bind up those broken hearts. So we cannot sit and be preoccupied with this disconnect between what we're experiencing and what God has said. Because we know what he has said. And his word is true. We heard this morning, wow, what the eye has not seen and what the ear has not heard is what God has reserved for us. So we don't cower. Yes, it's difficult. We are afraid, but we're going to do it afraid. We are going to do it afraid with fear because of who we are and whose we are. And I stress, it began, it began with him. Scripture says he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the end from the beginning. And he has already pronounced on it. So even if we don't see it, even if it tarries, we wait for it. It will surely come, he says. And so we proclaim liberty. We set free those ones who are in prison. And we repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many generations. Isaiah speaks about it. This is our assignment. And of course, we ourselves were transformed by the renewal of our minds. We did not just end up here. This is what we experience now because God has given this for us. And it all started, evidence is in Ezekiel 47. I'm not going to read the entire chapter. I urge you, go and read Ezekiel 47. And he speaks about, and he says, there was water that was issuing from below the threshold of the temple. It came from under the door. It came from inside the temple. And he speaks about it, he says, it started flow. It was first ankle deep, then it went knee deep, and then it went hip deep, and it went deeper. The end, actually, Ezekiel says, it was so deep you could not walk in it. You could not stand in it. And what was, what was this river going to do? And verse 8 to 9 says, he said, when it reaches the sea, when it reaches the sea, the waters are healed, and it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river go, will live. Where that river goes, everything will live. It brings the water from the throne. That is our assignment. We carry that water. And of course, he says, everything will live. So even if there's devastation, even if there's death, there will be life that will be brought. And so, along the bank of this river, 
he reminds, wasn't just the water. He says there were all kinds of trees that were growing there. And what he says is that they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves will be for medicine. That is your assignment. That is your assignment to bring healing and your leaves to bring medicine and to bring food. And so, as rivers, he speaks about, he says it's a crystal river. Pastor Greg spoke about the waterfall. Crystal, he meant, and I said, Lord, thank you. There is a crystal river. And of course, it's life-giving water. It flows from the sanctuary. And it gets increasingly deeper. Know this, it does not stay shallow. It gets deeper and intense. Because further to that, barren land became fertile. The, even the Dead Sea came alive with freshness. Have you ever, have you ever the Dead Sea alive with freshness? Wow. And this is symbolic of God's transforming grace. Waters bringing the essentials of living, and that is healing and food. That is what we bring. This is our assignment. We bring healing and food. And of course, in that, there was a declaration made that the land will be healed. And you join me this morning that we declare that South Africa will be healed. Africa will be healed. Our nation will be healed as we step out and as we bring from our places of abiding, living, and dwelling, we take up our assignment and we bring healing and food to the nations, to our workplaces, to our families, to our friendships, to our relationships. We bring healing and food. So that is God's unfolding plan, was for the land to be healed. And so, I don't have to tell you about what's distracting you at the moment. Ooh, there's so much of chaos every week. And of course, social media means that everybody is a news scarer. So whoever you encounter, they talk about. What's happening? Oh, did you hear what happened in Gruesdorp? Did you hear what happened there? And it burdens you. There's so much of uncertainty. It makes us sad. And I'm sure, have you, any one of you ever thought of efforts to escape? To run somewhere? Nobody? I have. I thought, oh, I can go do dentistry somewhere in the UK or whatever. And it leaves us overwhelmed, filled with fear, anxious, distracted, tossed, crushed, despair, perplexed. But this is what, this, this is what the enemy does. He knows when we are distracted, we are off script for our assignments. That's right. That's right. 
Because that's what we do. We lose focus. And that's what he wants us to do. It chokes the word. It keeps you and it puts you just on a little bit of a plateau. Maybe the fire burned higher, but then there's just a nice slap and there it is just down. Sorry, I just need to deal with this. It's difficult. But Psalm 112 verse 7 comes, just as we've been reassured this morning. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. So that's where I care comes from. So there's bad news. Yes, there is bad news every day. At work, family, phone rings, struggle, look at the appointment book, it's like different dynamics. Wow. And so, Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, Our assignment is console those who mourn, as we are mourned. As we are mourning our losses, we bring that consoling to give them beauty for ashes. They sit with their ashes. We exchanged our ashes, and we were given beauty. We can give that beauty. That is our assignment. If we mourn, he's given us the oil of joy. And so when we interact, gosh, Father, let it be. Let joy flow from me. Let joy comes from me. And the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. So if you came in this morning, and you came with a spirit of heaviness, and perhaps you're saying, Lord, I just need to deal with this. I don't know, but I'm going. I need to deal with this. There is hope. There is hope, and he hears us when we trust him. And he says, Isaiah says, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So it's not about us, but it is for his honor and for his glory. So what does it say next? Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians and he says, oh, so we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant. He says, I do not want you ever to be ignorant. And ignorant comes from the word agneo. If ever you have a problem reading the word magoli, just go and get a Greek interpretation of it. It takes you somewhere where you're like, wow. And agneo actually gives rise to the word, or the, or the word agnostic comes from agneo. And you know about an agnostic, when you speak to an agnostic, actually the understanding is maybe an agnostic does not believe. But what it says, an agnostic is a person who is unsure whether he or she believes in God. It's not that they don't believe in God. They, they don't know. So that is opportunity right there to influence and he says, this is what 2 Corinthians says to us, do not ignore or be without understanding concerning the devil's schemes. So if you know these things come, and I don't deny that it is not difficult, I'm there too, just like you. I'm there. But he says, do not ignore it. Understand it know what it means and what he wants to do because he wants to distract you from knowing the truth. So how do we do this? Oh, 
We serve an awesome God. He modeled this for us. Jesus was the embodiment of perfection. So yes, an assignment. Did Jesus have an assignment? Did he have an assignment? He had an assignment. Okay, but what did he do? How did he do it? He says he prayed unceasingly. He prayed unceasingly. And he encountered much, as we know. And he lived in purity and holiness. It doesn't matter what they threw at him, how they despised him, how they ignored him. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That is the Father God that we serve. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. You're not ignorant. You should not be. Because he has given you everything that pertains to godliness. And it's in his word and we've seen this example chronicled fully. You read the word and you watch and you read the book of Acts and you read further to the gospels before that and you see what Jesus did. Wow, it is just amazing. John chapter, nine, chapter 5 verse 19. What did Jesus do? Just one line. He only did what the Father did. He sees what the Father does. He says, I do what the Father does. And so sometimes when you encounter a situation, imagine before you come with your strategies and your, del and you, your deliberate plans. Yes, your deliberate plans. God gives you the innovations. But imagine if that starts with the meeting before the meeting. Yes. When it is one of saying, God, what do you want to do through this? Help me to do what you want me to do before I lean on my own understanding. And chapter 14, verse 12, same book. He says, most assuredly, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will also do. Even greater works. So that is the promise. That as a sign is, our work don't remain mundane. We're even doing greater things than the one who went before us. And he says, whatever we ask in his name, he will do so that the Father may be glorified. So as a signist, we have been given everything that we need. And of course, going further, Jesus said in John 14, if you keep my commandments, in addition to giving himself, when he left to go prepare a place for us, guess what? He didn't leave us as orphans. He sent us a helper. He sent us the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, even as we deal with life, as we deal with things, we have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that enables us, that quickens what is inside of us. So we are not just consumers of knowledge, can you imagine Psalm 23 sits there, but it has not been quickened, and it has not found application in my life. And 
John says, he dwells with you and he will be in you. And so you are not alone. You are connected to heaven as an assignee filled by the Holy Spirit. And so what does it take from us? That intellect to listen, that mind to believe, and that mouth to pray, and to speak with our voice that we've been given. So where did we get another example? Was the early church. Acts chapter 2, 42. And uh, I know Acts are read somewhere in the Logos program. Acts, the book of Acts is called the unfolding plan of an unstoppable God. Isn't that amazing? The unfolding plan of an unstoppable God. Verse 42 says, how did the early church do it? Did they have chaos? Sure. In the Roman Empire, they had chaos. But what did they do? Verse 42 says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The three things. The doctrine, the fellowship, the breaking of bread. And they had no reference, eh? They didn't have a written record that they could refer to. There was no Bible that they could read. Matthew says this, Luke says that. And you can cross-reference that to the Old Testament and it tells you what happened there. And when Jesus, this was already precast. They didn't know that. Yet, they believed eagerly. They had an earnest desire for full knowledge. And so this also demonstrated the power of community. And of course, you know what happens? You know when you do online church and you're alone in your lounge and you hear the word, there's a big difference when you're sharing it in community. There's a big difference when you are having communion with other people. There's a big difference when iron sharpens iron. And of course, it touches the heart. Besides, COVID, COVID taught us how to live masked with nothing, just by ourselves. It was the most horrible time of year for me or life for me, for you. But this is what in our assignments, to do that in community, to grow in community. And if you've been any part of it, being here for the past few months, wow, the nuggets that have come from all the powerful sharing, the prayer, the loving like heaven is here, so applied to us, it's like, you have real circumstances. But of course, that's not all. So, to execute this assignment well, we will have our comfort zones, right? We do, everything becomes very familiar. I'm tired now of hearing about abide, abide, abide. Okay? It's like so Monday now. I've heard it over and over. But, 
God is taking us. He is disrupting our comfort zones. He wants us to move beyond the familiar, beyond just thinking, oh, you know what, actually I know that. I've heard it somewhere. So, and of course, in those circumstances, the trials that we have, Pastor Simons always, always says this, our greatest challenges becomes our biggest triumphs. Because you may be here now, but a couple of months, years later, you are going to have an awesome testimony. You are going to laugh. You may be in a parched land now, but your season of laughter is coming. Even though it tarries, wait for it. Wait for it. And so, there were three words God gave me when I asked, I said, Lord, what do you want to share? Golly, we've heard so much about abiding, about living, about being intimate, about dwelling and about remaining. And there were three words God told me about us as assignments, to carry out assignments as assignees, to be anchored, to be filled, and to pray hungry, intentional prayers. And so that's what I want to work from now. From here. So what does it mean to be anchored? I've always wondered, when I was a kid, I didn't understand it. I saw them throw this heavy thing down and it falls to the bottom of the sea. I'm wondering, what, what are they doing? Because a ship wasn't made to stay in the harbor. A ship's meant to sail. But when they come in, they put the anchor. And that anchor is there to hold the vessel in a place. Because without the anchor, that vessel will drift and it will be tossed to and fro. And drifting happens not only when there's a storm, it also happens in calm waters. Have you seen that? And the anchor prevents the drifting, keeps you in place, and it speaks of stability and connection. And so for us to be anchored... What does scripture say? Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, Blessed and happy are those who earnestly wait for him, who expect and look and long for him, for his victory, his favor, his love, his peace, his joy, and his matchless, unbroken companionship. That is the anchor. You have access to good stuff, unbroken companionship. So don't dwell alone. If you're alone, it is your choice. It is your choice. So what you can do, all those voices that come, I've never ceased to be amazed in a Zoom meeting by the power of the all mute button. Mute all. So the one minute we all pray in tongues and you just hear everybody praying, you press that all mute button once and there's silence. And oh wow, that is the authority you have been given over voices that speak to you, that tells you something different. You have access to that mute button. Use it and use it well and use it discernedly because God has given you that authority 
So the one thing that this scripture says to us is that anchored, anchored priests and kings wait on the Lord. They're not in a hurry. And Psalms 116 verse 7 then assures you further, he says, now I can say to myself, relax and rest. Be confident and serene. For the Lord rewards those who simply trust him. Your reward is there. So maybe you're crying today, but your season of laughter is coming as you trust him, and as you wait on him. So, you have competitive advantage. Remember the mute button in the boardroom. You have access to that mute button, and be confident. So, this says, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't understand what's happening. But through it all, I trust you. I trust you. And that is a statement of choice. It is a statement of choice. So Jesus said to Peter, this is where I believe God is taking us deeper, when he said to Simon, go out where it is deeper. He's taking us to the deep. He wants us to get out of the kiddie pool. We cannot stay in the kiddie pool. When you see an adult in a kiddie pool, what are they doing there? They're helping a little child crawling on the base of the pool. And they're making sure that kid does not hurt themselves or fall underwater or whatever. God wants to take us deeper, to deeper depths. And you know what? In the kiddie pool, you don't need an anchor. You don't need dependence. Because you are very independent in the kiddie pool. Because you don't have to worry about anything. I'm standing, I'm in the pool. What's wrong with you? I'm feeling the water. But I don't have to exercise faith. Okay. And of course, Hebrews says, the hope we have is an anchor of the soul is sure and steadfast. Psalm 31 verse 3 says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So Ephesians goes further and he calls us to a unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. No more children. We're not in the kiddie pool any longer because we're not children and we don't drink milk any longer. We're eating solid food. That's what God wants. No longer children to be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. So what happens is there's a void, there's like a wind that comes, a different doctrine, and that tells you, oh, wow, Oh, there's not enough food in my church. I'm not getting enough. Or what is it that I'm meant to believe? He does not want us to be tossed to and fro, but to have and to be ministers of sound doctrine, sound passions, sound practice. That means in our lives, in our conduct, every day, Sound, sound, sound. 
tested, founded in the word with everything that you have been given. Let there never be any doubt in your encounters that you are anchored and that of course you know the great high God. I've heard it since once, immaturity is an anti-anchor. If you mature, you're anchored, solid foundation, found on solid foods. And of course, Hebrews 5.13 says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled. Have you ever, in the word of righteousness, and since he is a child, a child that is unweaned is dependent. And God wants us to be weaned so that we know an unweaned child just cries, wanting mom to jump around. A weaned child knows it doesn't matter, the food will come. I know my mommy. And so that is what God wants us, to be as weaned children, just living on solids that he is giving us. Michael Todd left me with something good. And he said, if your anchor is not founded in what is greater than you, it will not hold you up. So we have to learn to drop some anchors. And I want to share a personal testimony, because if there is one thing that is a distraction to us as assignees, it is to live with unforgiveness and to carry shame for not believing and knowing who we are and not knowing our identity. Because both of these things, unforgiveness and shame, have illegitimate authority. They've not been given authority. And of course, we don't have a choice to forgive. They both provide very fertile soil and they bring up a diverse crop of weeds. It does not produce sound fruit. It cannot. And the other thing about it is that it hides behind many masks. The masks are that, actually I've forgiven this person, but I still hold them in contempt, you know. They need to really get their act together. I don't friend well with them now. And I want to share with you, talking about dropping some anchors. One of the anchors is to drop an anchor on a culture of honor. And a culture of honor is more about the condition of our hearts than the person's attributes that we're dealing with. We have to forgive. Let them go. There are people that have left you six years ago and you're still holding them in contempt. We need to have to learn how to price tag our peace. Put the price tag on it. Don't let it go for anything. A few weeks ago, I had a very interesting encounter. And coming from the background that I come from in this profession, um, always had racial bias, gender bias, like you can't believe. So through that experiences, I have been schooled to become very defensive when it comes to that, very reactive 
you don't dare to speak to me disrespectfully, disdainfully, disregardingly, because you are going to get it. <laughs> this day, I've been working with this person of a different faith, working for about 10, 15 years. We've been working together constantly, on a daily basis. And this day, I couldn't be where he wanted me to be because I was busy. And um, eventually I go up and he lambastes me in front of a patient that happens to be my referral, and as well to in front of his staff. At that moment in time, sure. It felt like a bucket of water hit me. And at that time, I had an avalanche. You know what an avalanche is? Of all the experiences that I've had all the years. Everything reminded me. But I heard the voice of God clearly. And he said to me, not now. I wanted to storm off. I actually wanted to leave him there and actually teach him a lesson. You do not get a right to speak to me like that. I stayed. Because God spoke to me. It's enabled me to hear his voice. And it tested me. And I did what I had to do. As professional as what I could be, having been accused by him as an unprofessional in the presence. And I went down to my surgery, my office, my assistant said to me, what happened? So I tell him, she says to me, you did what? I said, God said, not now. That afternoon, I said, Lord, you need to know me. You need to teach me now how to have a crucial conversation. I'm going to have a meeting before the meeting. But this meeting didn't take place. I decided to write a letter. And in that letter, I laid it out. But I affirmed him first, and I had choice. And he changed the situation around because those that were there were not impacted badly because I listened to the voice of the Spirit. That wasn't me. I can promise you it wasn't me. <laughs> he wants us to be filled. And the measure to which we will be filled equates to how hungry we are. So, hunger motivates us, and it disturbs our comfort zone. Have you known when you're hungry, you can't sit? You're going to make something, or you're going to run off to McDonald's, or you're going to do something, you're going to make a plan. Because right now, you need to eat. And so, that emotional seat and that mind cannot be filled with voids with snacks, because sometimes we're too easily satisfied. Because you know if you're going to have a snack, you're not going to need the real food. That's what happens. John verse 4, uh, chapter 4, 31 says, Jesus explained to his disciples when they wanted to bring him food, and he said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father. And finishing the work 
It is that assignment that we take. So, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. To be filled with the fullness of the knowledge of God. Ernest Corinthians says, earnestly desire the gifts. Know the love which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And talk about faith being the substance of the things that you have not evidence for. You trust God. And by that, the elders were given a good testimony. Faith gives you a good testimony. So there's no better life than faith. And it's to be faithful, to be available, to get involved, to be teachable, and to be hungry. So my last two is that God's response, God's response in response to our faith is that we, give, we get a land that we have not labored. We get cities that we didn't build. That is his promise. Even though we didn't work there, we get them and we eat the fruit of the vineyards where we didn't work. Joshua says, every word that he has spoken has not failed. That is what he stated. He says, all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you will come to pass. So just quickly, hungry prayers. The one prayer that I want to remind you of is Nehemiah. He was a cupbearer to a foreign king. And he rebuilt Jerusalem's walls. And he came and he found all this derelict, disgrace, despondency. And he cries and he fasts and he prays. He cries out with a passion. And that was the mortar in prayer building that helped him to pray. His passion drive drove him. And you may be one of those people that when you see the poverty, when you see the, the struggle, when you see the difficulty, yeah. what happens is that it pains you. And like Nehemiah, you're going to go and you find those stones that he had to build, to bring a plan, because you are an assignee. Philippians talks about Paul when he says, you can go read it, I'm not going to read it, I don't have the time, that I might know him. That is the hungry prayer that Paul prayed, that I might know him, that I might gain Christ that comes through faith and dependent on that faith. And so, motivation is good, is not enough, because it jumps up and down. Today I'm motivated, Tomorrow I'm not so motivated. And what happens, um, today I friend well, tomorrow I'm dealing with things, please, I cannot friend well today. But consistency is key. And that consistency with intensity, because even intensity, that flame burns so high when you just come to the Lord. But the consistency is key to be consistent, consistent in reading your word, consistent in letting it fill you, consistent in let the Holy Spirit guide you, and consistent in praying. Join the saints and pray, because consistency is key. And you're gonna find struggles, you're gonna find difficulties, 
But as you are consistent, your consistency will be rewarded. The Lord bless you. Amen. Amen.